Hi, I'm Tom, a recovering compulsive overeater, food addict. Hi, thanks for being here. I'm glad I'm not the only one here. I'll be talking to myself, which is something I do too often. Um, I'm definitely an imperfect perfectionist, and it's always been hard for me to accept that I'm imperfect. And uh, that's because I'm too busy playing God all the time. You know, I know what's best for me, I know what's best for you, etc. And so accepting myself has always been difficult. Um, as far as the program of Overeaters Anonymous is concerned, I like to talk about what I believe is step zero. And for me, that is certain things that I need to do to work a positive program, to have a positive recovery, you know, and imperfectly as it is. I don't do anything, I haven't done anything grandiose that I know of in the program. I haven't, uh, I don't know, just, I've just showed up. That's the basic thing. And for me, uh, number one is consistency. You know, so these are things that have helped me, which I feel really is necessary for my recovery. So I'm mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually there to work the program to take the steps, the 12 steps of recovery. So showing up consistently. So I started over 27 years ago. I've been showing up consistently. And it's no uh, coincidence that I have 27 years and four months of abstinence because I've been showing up. If I stop showing up, which... My mind sometimes tells me I don't need to be here, which is a form of insanity. If I listen to my mind, then uh, I'm not going to be absent. Uh, fortunately, when those thoughts come that I have it licked because it's going all right, uh, I share that with a sponsor. I share it at meetings. I let go of it because I know that's ridiculous. It's, it's the crazy, insane thinking because I was nothing as far as uh, – my life before the program. I mean, I, I, I didn't have abstinence. I was crazy. I was, I was dying mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so it's because I'm in the program and participate that my life's been turned around. And that's the reason. And for me to think that by leaving the program, I'm going to continue to prosper is ridiculous. I mean, the reason I am prospering is because of the program and only because of the program. Uh, I had a woman once, she'd come up to me, she said, if you're abstinent, do whatever it takes to stay abstinent because it's so hard to not. And she had left the program and, and came back in worse shape. I've never seen anyone leave and come back in better shape at any form, physically or emotionally, mentally or spiritually. So that's that's the key is to show up. Um, I'm going out of my order. This is good. This is a let go of perfection. Um, one thing that's important is, you know, I've heard it said, uh, what people think of me is none of my business. Also, what I think of me is none of my business. And I can't listen to that negative thought. I can't. That is, you know, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I listen, but it's good I don't buy into it. So one thing is, I need to show up because I need to show up, not because I want to show up. You know, want is irrelevant. You know, I don't do what I want to do. You know, that's, that's the positive action. Now, when my need and my want 
merge, that's beautiful. I really want to be here. You know, I really want to be at a meeting. I really want to uh, write out a 10 step. I'm really motivated. Do a gratitude list. I'm really, you know, then that's, that's a bonus. But it's not a necessity. It's not a requirement. And, and if I have to wait to act on this program, wait till I want to do something, I'll never do anything. I mean, I'd be back on the couch, you know, eating stuff and myself, binging and watching TV all the time. That doesn't work. So what's really key, like they say, it's my thinking that got me into this mess. It's my thinking's not going to get me out of it. What will get me out of it is positive action. Positive action on top of positive action on top of positive action. You know, act to right thinking. You know, that, that, that works for me. Um, strive for perfection. That doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. That means I'm going to improve. It's been in, and that's written like that in the big book or 12 by 12. I never remember which one. Well, not usually. That's a part of my imperfection. <laughs> I can't quote from the big book what page or whatever. Um, so what the perfection, strive for perfection, improved higher power infusion, HPI. Um, that's what I need. I need my higher power to take over. You know, I, I, I think it's the human condition, but for me, you know, the tendency is, is, is to be negative. I mean, really, it's like it's always there. I mean, it's my first thought, my first response. It's almost always negative. You know, so the, the only way out of that is not in my head. The only out is through a higher power, is my higher power. That higher power energy is the only way that will correct it. It will turn that negative into a positive. And uh, it's just I just need to sh- just be current with you. Uh, this morning with my wife, see, I have this uh, perfectionism is, you know, I want everything to be a certain way, you know, when I leave. You know, it's always been that way. And and somehow when I went back in, my wife asked me this question. It was pretty innocuous, but my daughter's gone for a trip. And she said, did you text her this morning? And I reacted. You know, it's like, I mean, I didn't stir up real havoc with her, but internally, it's like, I'm like, why are you asking me this? I can't. Every day you're asking me this. I'm going through this, you know, this tension inside and stuff. And, and, you know, I really – and then I, I said something like, she, you think it's too early. And I mean, think – I don't know what it is. And I was defending myself saying I just texted her yesterday. and So I leave and I feel really uncomfortable. I mean, I'm driving. I mean, most of the drive, it's bothering me. Okay, I'm accepting it. I'm accepting, okay, just, you know, just accepting my pain. I'm feeling this anguish over that. That's my perfectionism. But uh, the positive is, you know, to work – I was just – Working on acceptance, I was just feeling it. It's not going away fast enough, you know, and just, just sitting with it. And then it's actually, I kind of forgot about it the last half hour, so that's, that's good. That's progress. Um, so, yeah, striving for perfection, improved higher power infusion uh, while accepting my imperfection. And that's, that's so hard, uh, being, uh, thinking that I'm greater than all of you and the human race, and that I'm, I, I know what's best for me and everyone else, and wanting to be in control of everything, it's really hard to accept that I'm imperfect. In fact, I feel emotion when I say that because it's, it's almost painful. You know, the, I got to remember I'm a human being, not a human doing. There's really not that much I need to do as a human being. 
that's, that's the hard part because I want to complicate everything and I want to control it. Really, all I need to do is accept. All I need to do is accept me as I am, number one, and accept you and everything else as it is, and just turn to God as my, my understanding. And then that's all I need to do as a human being. And then I could just go along for the joyride of life. But that's that's too boring or too whatever. It's just for some reason, you know, I forget that constantly. And uh, when I do that, it's it's really nice, you know, when things really flow naturally. And uh, this is progress, not perfection. So. Um, anyway. Uh, one thing that's really important in, in progress, not perfection, is to not use my knowledge of recovery to beat the hell out of myself. Pardon my French. To fuel my self-hatred addiction. Because there's a lot of useless, I think, useless emotions and stuff, and they're really addictions. And that's self-hatred addiction. Uh, the regret addiction is another one. And uh, I can't remember the other one. That's my imperfection. Maybe it'll come to me. Welcome. It's all right if you're late. This is progress, not perfection. You're not late. Actually, you're right where you need to be right now. Now, whether I am is different, but you are. Um, yeah, so don't use my knowledge of recovery. It's like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I know all the tools. Oh, I'm not doing 16, six of those eight tools, nine tools. It keeps going up. I don't know. It's getting more stressful, all number of tools. But, you know, it's like, you know, that's not the purpose of recovery. You know, but as a perfectionist, you know, I've done that quite a bit, you know. And I hear sponsees and stuff saying that too. This is what I'm not doing. So I try to, you know, to say to them, well, what are you doing? I had somebody in another, I'm in three other 12-step programs now too. Somebody was telling me, not going into detail, but just, just telling me, okay, why don't you list the what's gone right first? It's like, damn, I didn't really want to do that. You know, I was noticing the resistance. And then, but when I did that, I got on a roll, as she women said, and I really felt good. You know, I mentioned that to a sponsee in the program. You know, to do that one day, because he, usually he'll start talking to me about everything that's not going right. He might throw in a few things that are working a little later. So it's like, in a way, I was kind of depressed hearing it. So I, I wanted to hear, you know. So, you know, uh, actually, it seemed to be go pretty well. Um, what's important is what to do. What I need to do for my recovery, okay? And that means, let me just, the main examples for me are how many meetings a week do I need? Okay. How many phone calls a day do I need to make? How often do I need to connect with my sponsor? Those are like, the, to me, the three big ones. There's other things too. Now, here's the thing. And this is, this might sound like a perfectionist, but it's not. This is the fine line. I need to do it 100%. That's the bottom line. Those are things I need. Now, if there's a medical emergency or certain things, but it's like, and there are times it's like, how could I do it? You know, how could I, I mean, like I said, I'm on all these 12-step programs. I do seven meetings a week. I do several on the phone. I do at least 21 minutes. I say the reason for 21 is perfection is because it takes a minute. That's from the time I dial on the cell phone. It usually takes a minute before I get through. I don't want to count that minute. But, but I actually, I actually, uh, usually share at those meetings. I use the time very well, and that's all I really need. Plus, I have attention deficit disorder, and on the phone, it's kind of easily distracted. But, but I, I do that, you know. And really, even when it seems impossible, like oh no, it's already Friday. I mean, you know, I, 
screwed up. I'm going to announce this to you. I screwed up. I only actually got six in, and it was I was at a spiritual retreat all weekend in Santa Clara, and I forgot. It's like I could have got that one in on the drive home, and I forgot, and it really bothered me. Now, I knew that I was being spiritually uplifted. I knew that it was okay, but still it was bothering me. So, okay, so this is what I did. The next morning, and it was an OA meeting, the next morning I got on, I think, the 7 a.m. phone meeting. And I felt good. That's what I could do. You know, I did. I, okay, it wasn't within that. It wasn't within midnight by midnight Sunday. You know, yeah, it killed me. But, but the positive action was I actually added an OA meeting for the next week. You know, and I started very early. So that was, that was, that was good. Uh, one thing is there, there's, it's good to take vacations, but there's no vacation in recovery. You know, and the disease lurks 365, 24-7. It's just a fact. Uh, recovery needs to be 365, 24-7 to counteract the disease and infuse higher power. See, HP is there 24-7, 365. I need to remember that. So if I'm on a vacation, if I'm out of town for whatever reason, I still make my calls. I still do that stuff. Yeah, it's harder. It's more of a challenge. You know, I'm with my mom or whatever. I... She sleeps in, so I go outside. I do them earlier. I do while I'm taking a walk to the beach or whatever. I do, you know, I need to remember. It's harder for me to remember, but I need to do it because that's something I need to do. Why would I not need to do it if I'm somewhere else than I normally am? Really, I mean, but understanding, you know, that the situation is different. I do the best I can, and it's not going to be exactly the same time or the same thing. That's, not, that's, that's the imperfection. But the progress is I still take the action to, to do what I need to do. Maybe I talk two minutes instead of uh, 15. I don't know. But at least, you know, those are the things I need to do for my recovery. This is one I really like talking about, resistance. I need to slow down. This is tiring talking about all this, <laughs> all the imperfections and stuff and positives. Resistance. I resist everything that's good for me. That's the bottom line. You know? And just if you look at that sometime. What do, what do you resist? You know, I know uh, I don't resist the negativity. It's just I'm just like there, you know, it's like. But, uh, uh, you, know, I resist, you know, I resist calling my sponsor. I uh, feel I have a wonderful connection with him. It's been 14 years. And I'll resist calling him sometimes, you know. And it's like I'll be happy when his machine comes on, voicemail, whatever. I mean, and then I, I always like talking to him. So, I mean, that's the thing, you know. And if he picks up and I talk to him, I feel better. See, I resist what's good for me, you know. Because my tendency is to just, you know, like before the program and in disease, just curl up, isolate, blinds closed, you know, eat and watch TV. You know, that's where that's what got me, living in my perfectionistic, uh, perfectionistic uh, compartmentalized world. Not understanding how how could things flow for people in their life while I'm stuffing myself and not really getting anywhere and getting going down, you know. Uh, so anyway, um, resistance resistance isn't bad. Is what I do with it. It's going to be there, you know. I read a whole book. It was fifty page book or something on resistance. It was really good. I related to everything. Uh, I forgot the name of it. That's my imperfection. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's see. The 12 steps. Okay. Essential. Now, this is something I'm afraid might, might bother you. Uh, 
Maybe it bothers me, my negativity. Uh, basically, I believe you're doing them and I'm doing them every day to some degree. Uh, it's important to acknowledge the positive in recovery. Number one, uh, you're, you're, doing, you're practicing the 12-step right now, being here. Okay. You're helping me and you're helping everybody else. Being here this weekend, you're, you're doing the 12-step for any time you're here. You know, you're doing that. Any type of uh, prayer meditation, you're doing step 11. You know, I mean, if you're uh, going for a walk and, you're, you know, you're feeling your feet, you know, you're in the moment, some, some form, you're doing that. Uh, if you acknowledge wrongdoing, if you circumvent uh, some problem that's happening. I've been doing, thank you, I've been doing, see, I told you, I have that same thought. It's already been, uh, I've been doing the uh, written 10th step. And really, it's not that difficult. I mean, it's like, it's, I write some positives, I write some negatives of the day. Uh, that's that's really helpful. So I do the tense. You know, uh, you know, admitting I'm powerless. So I mean, I we work some of the steps without even knowing it. So if you get that mentality, I'm not doing any of the steps. I hear people say that I'm not working on any step. I'm another. Pro- I'm on step zero, a different step zero, meaning they're not doing any steps, not the recovery stuff. It might not be true. We need to acknowledge the positive. You know, that's part of getting through the perfectionism thing. It's just and, and having and and, uh, and, and helping the self acceptance is acknowledging it because it's real. It's true. You know, I am working steps every day, and I believe every one of you are to some degree. Uh, yeah. Again, stop focusing on what we're not doing. It becomes a negative obsession. Uh, the three A's: awareness, acceptance, and action. Really important. You know, don't discount awareness. I do sometimes. The more I show up, the more aware I am. Sometimes it's frustrating because I'm aware of what I need to do and I don't do it. I don't feel like it. But I am aware, and that's a gift from God. That's tremendous spiritual uh, spiritual principle. Um, anyway, and uh, gratitude. If I'm not grateful, I just focus on the next best thing to obsess on. I'm constantly looking for things, you know. You know, I, I, I it was hard to park for me this morning, you know. And it's like it's easy for me to forget that I – I could have gone a lot longer without parking, you know, and I was able to squeeze. Anyway, just to be grateful, you know, just to thank you, God. Thank you, higher power, you know, something like that, you know, just acknowledging. It really helps. And I just want to say, just I'm closing here. Uh, I One minute, it's coming up to a minute, right? What am I, a minute six now? Uh, what? Oh, I could breathe. I have 17 extra seconds. Uh, humor and recovery is really important, too really is when i'm when i'm laughing i'm in the moment i can't regret the past or fear the future when i'm laughing it's impossible try it sometime and you know the thing i need to practice i forget all the time is smile you know when i smile usually i'll get smiles back not everyone but it does have one minute oh, i better work here okay the 12 steps is the solution i just talked to someone yesterday i know the program talked about he's showing up he's what you've been at 29 meetings in 29 days 29 rang a bell you know why because I was never in relation, positive relationships in my life. I was headed, I was wanting to be in one. I was taking action toward being in a positive relationship, having marriage, etc. And, and I, uh, I was headed, there was two women, and I was headed toward them, which were negative for me. Totally negative addiction stuff. I had that happen years before, nine years before when I picked my first wife, and it was awful. So out of the pain of that, I worked the 12 steps with my sponsor in OA, in 29 days, I have chills. I showed up. I believe I showed up. My memory's not screwed up. At his home every for every step. 
work through that on relationships. And it steered clear of those two women, which weren't good for me. Ended up meeting my wife. She appeared a month or two later, been married over 22 years. Imperfect as it is, far better than what I would have settled for. That's the power of the 12 steps, and it's time to stop. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to introduce our um, next speaker, who is Cher. It was actually. Oh, okay. It's Casey. All right. I was just going in line. Hello. Some some of you I know. My name is Casey. I'm a compulsive overeater in recovery. Hi. So, happy to see the people I do know in this room, and all of you that I haven't seen ever or for a long time. Um, I, I thought I was going to start just, I want to share with you, I think it's a beautiful phrase, progress, not perfection. And so, in trying to figure out how I would speak to it, I kind of broke it down to the four key words. But I also want to share with you just the basic stats, because... I don't know. When I go to a meeting, I love being having the recovery reinforced. So, so we, apparently we're a bunch of long-timers here. Um, I walked in 28 and a half years ago, and I uh, weighed 225. And, you know, the state of my life... You know, I remember I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear shorts. I wouldn't go outside. Um, very poor relationships with my children, my parents... Um, I was on the verge of bankruptcy, okay, and it's not that way anymore. So, um, and interesting, and I know this is a story for some people, I lost a bunch of weight the first year, that was great, and then over the course of time, I've been able to lose some more, and I think that's because we are able, now this is the progress part, and why I think it's so beautiful, we lose, you know, it's a process of peeling away our layers of probably defensiveness and raising our perspective on everything. Um, I use the term God. But to me, being able to see things from a different point of view allows me to embrace them differently. And at some point today, hopefully I remember to share with you that even as recently as the past couple of weeks, I got new understanding. I had, I got to experience something I've wanted to experience all my years in program and have had very little, which is open-heartedness. You know, I do the right things much of the time, but that doesn't mean I do it with open-heartedness. Why? Because of fear. So, I'm going to refer to my notes, if you'll indulge me. So the beauty of the phrase, um, progress, not perfection. Well, I've already said that. Um, You know, we get a higher level of spiritual awareness. We get nicer bodies, healthier bodies, bodies that are closer closer to or at the right weight, and mental some mental sanity, which I think is an incredible gift, um, particularly for those around us. Um, so I said, why perfection? So that's the progress part. Perfection. Why not perfection? Well, in addition to what was said, that we are indeed human. So, you know, by nature, we're just not going to be perfect. But what drives perfection? 
I think it's very much about self. How many times in the big book does it say self is is our biggest source of our character defect? It could be show up as self-pity. It could show up as um, self-centeredness. It, in general, it's a selfish focus on what's going on with us, what we're afraid will happen, the fact that we can't manage. So perfection, for me anyway, is driven by a desire to control, to manage what happens. And that's why it's not what we're seeking. What we're seeking is improvement and higher awareness of what our higher power or what God wants for us. And I'll tell you, take, it's taken me a long time to get any kind of communication going where I got the channel clear. <clears throat> and I'll talk about fear later. So, oh, here's where I put it in. <clears throat> so I don't know, you know, I've lived this internally, so I don't know if this will make the difference to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. That'll be great on the tape. Um, I've worked so hard. I always work so hard to do everything right. And it has, in many ways, it's served me. I'm successful in many ways. But I've had a couple instances with people in my life recently where I had to say no. So I moved from what was wrong for me to what was right. That doesn't make sense. But, you know, and what it has done. So letting go of this wanting to do everything right and making space for how scary it is to wander into something that might create dissatisfaction or dissonance with somebody else, my heart opened. So any of us who have relations with our mothers that are less than perfect, um, it's been the hardest one for me. I have moved long time ago to being able to be kind to her and do things that I think are, you know, what God would want. But this was the first time I was able to experience open-heartedness. I really wanted to be loving. Why? Because I had let go of being the perfect daughter. None of this makes sense. But it's a really big thing. So, trust me. So, a statement. A frame for the rest of our life. So, they say it's a statement, not an excuse. So, a statement. Progress, not perfection. You know, the early AAs and the way I currently work my program, work steps one through nine very quickly. And then you live your life in 10, 11, and 12. So the core of 10, 11, and 12 is honesty. So it means you're always willing to look at what's going on now and how are you showing up, where is your selfishness showing up, Um Spending time to build our spiritual awareness. And then, as it says in working with others, you know, nothing so ensures our continuing recovery as working with others. In however way we do it. My sponsor is really good. You know, I say, well, I didn't call anybody today to, you know, reach out. But anything we do to be of service takes us out of ourself. And, you know, in many ways we are called. So, okay, I'm going to read a little bit of this. So we build our spiritual fitness through many means. I do a 10-step every night. Why does that build my spiritual fitness? (laughs) Because one of the questions in there is, were you thinking of yourself? 
were you thinking of others? What could you have done better? So I'm always reminded of what I did do and what I could do better. And, you know, as my sponsor says, I told her one day, I said, I think I did good enough, you know. Um, and she said, if you're living in 10, 11, and 12, if you're really open, if you feel like you're connected to God, then you, that was a good day. And then helping others, obviously. So not an excuse. <clears throat> So my, my thought about excuse, if we use this phrase to postpone acknowledgement of our powerlessness or ignoring how our behaviors are ruled by desires to control or to keep on eating more than our bodies need or to behave bad emotionally, um, we have not fully taken step one. And excuses in our mind, our own rationale for being in control. Um, and food's only the symptom. Um, I What I... You know, for me, an excuse, whether I'm resisting doing something that I'm pretty sure I need to do, that's happened quite a bit lately, um, it's about fear. And you know what the big book says about fear. So I thought I would, you know, you know the good thing about my big book is that the parts are falling out. Um, so that's probably a good sign. So if we, hold on, if we look on page 68, you know where the fear prayer is. But before that, it says... For we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. Just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity. So if we find ourselves resisting or using an excuse, probably not the first word we'd put to it, um, then we ask, you know, where is fear showing up? It's one of those four things that you're asked at the, at the beginning of the 10th step. Today, was I resentful? Was I afraid? Did I have self-pity and was I dishonest? So um, it's just a reminder. And if we catch ourselves, then we lovingly, you know, put ourselves into um, a place of awareness. And that's really good. I do like the three A's. Thank you. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about in the next 10 minutes. But um, acceptance, you know, accepting, oh, this is how I am. This is my human part. Anytime we're beating on ourselves, it is about us. It is, a, you know, it is that selfish self-centeredness of am I, is everything in my head going on about me? And that is my default mode. You know, I have to sometimes, you know, you know work at 10-step. <clears throat> You, you're aware of it, you ask God to remove it, you tell your sponsor, and then you turn your thinking to helping somebody else over and over and over again. Oh, my God, thank you so much. Um, so, so anyway, fear, we catch ourselves in fear. We certainly catch ourselves whenever we're not um, <laughs> kind of settled, which is most of the time. And this is why, you know, in my... In the program I've done over for over a year now, all through the day I try to catch myself on, and write 10 steps to my sponsor. So I'm really bad at it. And I do my morning practice. I'm really highly aware and I'm in tune with, with God. And, and I usually catch a 10 step and I'll send it off quickly. Now, do you think I'm really good at doing that during the day unless something is beating on me and I'm driving and all I can think about is food? As she points out, thinking about eating when it's not time to eat is, of course, our nature. Um, but 
what is going on? And I said, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, after all these years, I don't have high awareness usually of what's driving it. So <clears throat> she says, the mere desire to eat to soothe is that selfishness, not judgment selfishness. It is self. You know, something's going on. We want to change how we feel. We want to change some circumstance. We want to change, but mostly I want to change how I feel. And our only response, the only thing that I've found that works, and I am amazed because for years my sponsor had told me, different sponsor, make a phone call, um, do something. You know, it's like, I don't know, it never relieved me. I have found that if I stop, actually write out a 10th step, so I text it, and then I concretely turn my thinking to helping somebody else. I will, can I respond to that email? Um, somebody left me a voicemail, and I, they just sometimes they're so burdensome, and it's like, oh, I've got to get to return that call. I get the willingness to do that. I will, I have to think of something I can do for somebody else. I have to think about it, and it's not easy to think about those things. But by the time I've done it, I get some relief. And maybe, you know, depending on what's going on, maybe it's temporary, maybe it lasts until the next meal, you know, all sorts of things. So, um, this was my ending. Now, mind you, I've got a number of minutes, so I, this won't be my ending. But I, I thought it would be good to encourage us about why do we keep doing this? Why do we hang in? Why do you see so many people who have been around for 20 and 30 years? So the first one <clears throat> was a phrase from you know, Appendix B from um, when Bill wrote out about a spiritual experience. And... So in my well-used book, I always look and see, well, where have I um, underlined and made notes? And Okay, so most emphatically, we wish to say that any compulsive eater capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. So recovery is here for all of us at whatever pace, some of us slower than others. And then I love the 10-step promises. You know, in the meetings, we often read the 9-step promises, but I think the 10-step promises are incredible. So they're on page 84. This is why the book looks the way it does. Um, okay. So, now, if you hope you're not really bored with this, but I just thought, and I have to say, I didn't come back to the big book until um, many, many years in the program. I mean, I kind of knew what was in there, but, you know. But now, going back into it and seeing what uh, what is valuable for me. So, I'm I'm sharing. <laughs> And we have seen, so this is after they tell you how to do 10 steps, you know, all the time. And we have ceased fighting anyone, anything or anyone, even food, for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in excess food. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward food has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We haven't even sworn off. 
Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So that's pretty cool. Um, So in that context, let me just share with you how imperfect my recovery has been. The weight has stayed fairly consistently off, though I've, I've certainly gone up 10 pounds, down 10 pounds. I have never had consistent abstinence by my definition. And my definition is fairly loose. This is not how I would encourage you to be. Um, when my food is off, it is my signal that I really have to double down on my spiritual. Um, so it is more my signal. But I don't go, oh, I, you know, I don't fall into the pit Um, I'm able to come back it's sort of like airplanes when they're you know they say that they're off course 98% of the time but you just do course corrections that's the benefit of never having left no matter what was going on through divorces I had a child die um, I had a fiance die I'm you know I've had life life has happened but you know as was said what we get in here gives us, I think, the best foundation for framing anything that comes in life. And um, now I have to figure out what else to say for how many minutes? 320. 320. Okay. So let me talk about why I'm so – I mean, I can't be more encouraging about program. You know, you – you have to be willing to work your butt off to get more from it. But when I thank you, when I work with um, new sponsees, and I do take them, you know, through the the nine steps very quickly, and <laughs> we spend a lot of time together initially, and then the progress part comes from working ten, eleven, and twelve. And so I get to buy cute pants. You know, I love that. I've got. I'm married to. A really wonderful person, sane relationship, great. You know, and, and when you're 60 and you meet somebody, um, you're damn lucky, I think. And one of the things he said to me, because when we met, I had about 20 years um, experience, you know, in a way. And he said that was the best thing about you, that I knew that you, you know, would be fairly sane. And you know, little did he know, but um, I have. I worked hard on this relationship with my mother, and no matter what she does, I can still be loving. Sometimes I back away a bit, but, you know, I have a good relationship with my son. Um, I have some good friends that I do fairly well with. You know, I'm, I'm not one who's particularly open. I have the capability of shutting absolutely down emotionally, showing up physically but not emotionally. It is something I would love... To have not, not bring to the table. But so this open-heartedness that I talked to you about, okay, 28 and a half years and just in the last couple of weeks have I gotten to feel that. This is why you stay. And there's nothing. You know, okay, so I'm a career coach, and I hate doing resumes. Hate, I stopped doing them for clients a long time ago. And the other day I have a sweet client. His money's a little, you know, a little tight. And... I knew he was really eager to have it ready, and I had time, and I had two hours, and I spent two hours giving him 
what I was able to do. Thank you. And I cannot tell you the difference between when I had tried to do everything for people to get them to be really, really happy with me so nobody would be displeased. And I gave this freely and happily. And if he liked it, I was glad he liked it. That was good. But, you know, that's the sort of thing I want to be able to do more often. So I'm making progress. I am far from perfect. And to the best of my ability, I try not to make excuses on a daily basis. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I would like to just say keep that ask it basket moving around because um, I have to read those questions, and if there isn't any, they want me to make them up, and I don't feel so creative. So um, anyway, so our next speaker is Cher, and um, let's give her a round of applause. Hi, everybody. I'm Cher. I'm a compulsive overeater. Happy to be back in my stomping grounds. I grew up here, and um, it's always, you know, it makes me feel good that I learned to drive on these freeways. <laughs> it always freaks my husband out when we're driving, like, in L.A. and the freeways, because he grew up in Sacramento and quite a few years ago, and he's just never been comfortable with all the crazy traffic, but... Um, I live in a beautiful place like Tahoe, and uh, and I have a very blessed life, primarily because I got to OA. OA has been um, a lifeline for me, a saving grace, and I've been in the program since uh, 1988, so I've been here about 26 years, and um my abstinence has not been perfect. That's why this is a great topic for me. Um, I I do one thing. <clears throat> I do one thing really perfectly, and that is that I early on um, found that sugar was not a good thing for me and my body, and. So that's the one constant that I have maintained throughout a long period of time. And it's given me such a freedom as far as um, eliminating the cravings. And it's probably the hardest thing to get off of. I've gone through a lot uh, of work with sponsees. And, you know, there's a certain period of time where it will... They can do it, and everything's working well. And then if they mess up, it's really, really hard getting back on track. It's really hard. Um, it's just such an incredible drug. So uh, I guess I guess I've been blessed with that because I recoil from it like a hot flame. Sugar. It's got. It's got a skull and crossbones in my mind. It's poison. It is absolute poison to my body. So um, I don't want to feed myself poison. Absolutely not. Not today anyway and not for a lot of years. Um, And I don't do um, this program perfectly in terms of 
steps and all that. I I guess it um, it comes natural to me to have um, an easy time remembering certain things that I've said in meetings over and over again, that we've heard in meetings over and over again. So as far as the steps, I can recite them no problem. <clears throat> and it's the point of living them. I think it's really good to know basically what the steps are so that when life happens, they're there. You know, they're there in our minds and we can pull we can pull them out and utilize them. I think that's really um for me really important. Um I have um a wonderful relationship with my kids and my grandkids. I'm really very grateful for that. Um, as my um, relationship with my husband is always challenging. He's 29 years sober, and he doesn't go to meetings, and it's just a it's a challenge. It's a challenge. So that's the thing that probably I have to work on the most is um, learning how to make amends a little quicker than I do. Um, I don't do a 10-step every night. I wish I did a 10-step, but I'm not very I'm not very disciplined except for food, except for there's certain things. I love the food I eat. I love the, the food I eat so much that I eat it every day. I eat practically the same thing every single day. Breakfast is the same thing. Lunch is almost always the same thing because I love food. I love food. And I, and I feel like I'm being deprived if I don't have food that I really like. You know, if I, like, go to a restaurant, which I, I don't go to restaurants all that often because I make better food at home. And the amount that I like, you know, like I'll, every time I go to, a, like, a Mexican restaurant, I love Mexican food. But I always ask them for extra lettuce because my whole thing is I... I don't, I like to have volume. That's what we compulsive eaters like. We like volume. And so, uh, you know, if, um, <clears throat> like I'll order a, uh, a tostada, but I don't order the tortilla because I don't eat corn. I don't eat corn at all. I don't eat anything that's like sugar too much, you know, like white flour. And I don't even, I gave up. I gave up wheat a year ago. That's something that I would, thought I'd never give up as wheat. But I could eat a whole loaf of um, sourdough wheat bread. You know, so wheat kind of, it kind of appeared to me um, as a villain. You know, like I loved it too much. I heard in um, one of these programs uh, or, or one of the speakers that we had come to our area and she said, if something becomes a problem, it's gone. It's out of her it's out of her life. Well, I've had a lot of things that have been a problem to me as I've been in recovery. And uh and they've some of them have been eliminated, like sugar early on. I remember my my sponsor, I said, Well, how many cookies is moderate? And she said three. 
So I started having three for breakfast, three for lunch, three for dinner, which in some packages is like a package. It's like a package of cookies, practically. So um, then I then I um, discovered that white flour was becoming a problem. And so white flour kind of went. And it took a long time. It took a really long time for me to give up wheat. And giving up corn was kind of hard because... I like corn chip. When I go to Mexican restaurants, boy, give give me another basket. Bring on another basket. So, you know, as soon as those really, I started noticing those are a problem, then I gave up corn, all corn. So back to my Mexican story. So I ordered the tostada without the tortilla. And... So in order to fill in the gap, I got to have the chewing, exor- the jaw exercise. So give me extra lettuce. Give me extra lettuce. And they like, they like don't care. They don't care to give you. I mean, they don't care if you ask for extra lettuce. Don't ask for extra meat without having to pay for it. But extra lettuce they'll give you. So, um, so I have these big things. And if, if, um, if they don't give me enough lettuce, I'll ask for some more on the side. Or I'll tell them, I'll charge me. I don't care. I, I do love the food I eat. I love the food I eat. And I think that that's important because we're not perfect. We're not meant to be perfect. We're not going to do everything perfect. But at least, at least what we can do we can enjoy what we can eat. We can enjoy, and if we feed our bodies, I feel like I'm on a soapbox. If we feed our bodies good food, good food, our bodies like it. They like it, and I'm. I, I just. I feel so lucky that that my body works. I, it didn't work on Thursday. I thought I wasn't going to get here. I couldn't move my neck. My neck was kind of swollen. I couldn't move my neck. I still don't know what's wrong with my neck. But here's what I thought. Oh, it must be cancer. Because it was, I had a lump there. I had a lump there. Then I thought, then I thought, in the back of my mind, I thought, meningitis. I think that's a neck thing. And then I called uh, one of my sponsees. And uh, she said, oh, she said, maybe it's, maybe it's um, encephalitis. And then, <clears throat> then she said, <clears throat> have you been bit by a mosquito? Well, I'd been bit twice on the neck, that neck, that side, by a mosquito a couple days before. She, she, she goes, it's West Nile. It's probably West Nile. So like, you know, so I'm already, I'm going to go to the ER. I'm going to go to the ER. And I, I live kind of far away from an ER because I'm on the east side of the lake. And so I, I'm, I'm she says, well, it. You know, at least call, thank you, at least call the um, ER. So I called the ER and the guy said, do you have a fever? I go, no. And he goes, well, it's not meningitis, West Nile, or encephalitis. You don't have, you know, you don't have those. So I thought, okay. Anyway, I left it up to my higher power because that's one of the things we do. You know, we have to turn it over and I was going with my best friend. I wanted to be, I wanted to be here. Plus, I, you know, I was on the board when this hotel was arranged. And 
Anyway, I just um, really wanted to be here, and I and I had committed to Nancy about speaking. So um, uh, I, the next day, I went to bed. I, I couldn't even move. I could not move my head. The next day, I woke up, and it was like better, and it's fine. I mean, I'm still a little sore, but it's something fine. And the good news is I'm not dying of any of those dread diseases, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here and and um and I'm I'm really happy about this topic because I think perfectionism is something that we all struggle with. We always feel that if we don't do it right, we're doing it wrong. But it's progress. It's progress. Just a little bit of progress. Tom Tom, right? Yeah. Yes. Tom was talking about meetings. That's something that I really firmly believe in is getting to meetings. I go to four, to four meetings a week, every week. And I guess, you know, one of the things is I always like to know who's there. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, I'm curious about. And not only who's there, but having being able to connect with those people that are there. So that I know a lot of people in our, in our area and um and i'm i'm grateful for knowing their stories and their struggles and sharing mine and um and meetings are just uh to me meetings are really special i'm i'm so glad that they're part of this this program of recovery you know that we have we have this fellowship we have these things in common with each other you know every one of you are sitting there for a reason you're sitting there because maybe you're maybe you're feeling like um you're too hard on yourself you know you're trying to be too perfect maybe you're feeling like um you want to be uh inspired hopefully Something one of the three of us say inspires you to not give up, to keep coming. Um, I I started working with a sponsor um, in L.A. and they're really strict down there. Um, about oh I don't know seven eight years ago, maybe longer, and she uh, told me to um, plan out my food for a week. And call her at exactly 6.20. Because I had 10 minutes. And I only got to do this for a month. Because her other sponsee was out of the country for a month. So she could squeeze me in that space. Um, and, you know, I couldn't believe. Like, what am I going to eat for a month at that time? It was like furthest thing from my mind to plan something. Today, I think I could do it. I think I could do that easier today, you know, because I eat the same thing every day for breakfast, with rare exception, every day for lunch, with rare exception, and dinner a little more flexible with. But um, uh, the, even, you know, being willing to go to any length is another thing that I really um, think is important in this program. For me, it was the willingness to call somebody at the same time every day. That was that was a big thing, especially getting up early enough. Oh, and she wanted me to meditate for two minutes before I called her. So I got into that. For one month, one month, I meditated for two minutes, and I called her at 620 every day. And even though 
I was like kicking and screaming because I don't want to write down my food for a week. And then I'd have to call and say, well, that didn't work, you know, or, you know, I'd have to own it the next day. Well, I didn't really stick to what I thought I was going to eat, blah, blah, blah. Life happens. Um, I never expect anybody to do that. You know, I don't, I don't require people to do that. But one thing I do ask my sponsees to do is to email me their food. They don't have to email it before they eat it, but they have to email what they ate afterwards. And that, for me, works because, you know, I don't expect anybody to um, to do something that I don't do. And I do do that. I email my food every day to my um, my sponsor. Uh, and I think it's it's a great um, it's a great tool to do that because it keeps me accountable, and uh, it also it also develops and um, it's a it's a discipline for me. It's an absolute discipline that I have to be aware of what's going in my mouth so that I'll be able to report it at the end of the day. I don't do my food, as I said, perfectly. I, you know, there's things like I eliminated nuts about six years ago. I quit eating nuts. Then I hear Dr. Oz and everybody's saying, oh, good, these nuts are for you, you know. So I decided I'll add them back into my life. So I was very careful in the beginning. Then I got a little sloppier. I got a little sloppier. And so then I eliminated them at night. And then I was just, you know, so we bargain. We do little bargaining tricks. Um, So not too long ago, I had another little problem with the nuts because I had eliminated them at night. I still kept the morning ones in my yogurt concoction. Thank you. Um, So these were in the daytime. These were not at night. They weren't in the morning. They were at night. I mean, they were in the, you know, daytime. So I came to the conclusion that I need to eliminate them at night and in the daytime. It has to be only in the morning. So that's my, so that's my current thing. So I don't do this perfectly. I am a work in progress like that. Progress, not perfection. And we're a work in progress. My my whole thing is to keep coming back to meetings, keep coming back, and enjoy the food that I eat, and I really do. Um, and to uh, I I think the the promises, the ten step promises, those were wonderful. I I loved the ninth step promises too, because of the. Um, uh, learning how to handle situations that used to baffle us, you know, being able to go to a potluck or being able to go to a wedding or a memorial service or any of those and seeing those foods. And I don't like look at the things that I can't eat. I look at the things that I can't eat. What are they having here that is going to work for me? What's going to be that good stuff that I like? You know, big salads and uh, anyway, um, I'm I'm delighted. I'm delighted to um, to have those skills. 
The other thing that I wanted to mention is that um, the the promises. Um, I think I I can't stress enough how how many of those have come to fruition to, for me. Um, fear of people and of economic insecurity. I think my husband has it more than I have, but um, but fear of people. You know, being in front of a group of people and talking and not freaking out. I think is is really nice, and a lot of us. A lot of us don't have that when we get here. I had low self-esteem, didn't, thank you, low self-esteem and didn't really feel like I had anything worthwhile to give anybody. So to over the years of keep showing up, keep coming to meetings and being able to share at meetings, which I think is really important for everybody to share um, and opening up, telling us, telling us who, who you are, who we are. Who we are, because we share our experience, strength, and hope in here. And uh, and I is my time off? I think my time's up. How many? Four. Four, three, two, one. Thank you all for being here. Thank you so much to all our um, uh, speakers and our timekeeper. Um, I think that I forgot to say that um, progress, not perfection, a statement, not an excuse is what this is, this is about. So anyway, um, I don't know how important that is, but okay, let's see. The sessions are being taped, and I guess that's why I'm asking all the questions and we're not hearing from you because it comes from here. Um, I will now draw questions from the Ask It Basket for our panelists. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the rest of it circulating in case anybody came up with it. We'll just go around one more time. Um, and I'm just going to pick the first one that said, could you please talk about what works for you when stinking thinking comes on strong? It's not addressed to anyone in particular, so... Um, who would like to start with that? One thing that uh, comes to mind is it helps. Passing the mic. It, the, okay. Okay. Yeah, one thing that uh, uh, really helps me to get out of my head is to uh, share that with, with another person in the program. You know, just to to get it out, and you know, a lot of times, even just making that call, the willingness to do it helps because I just leave a message and I leave detailed messages, and and sometimes I've actually recently just been laughing when I leave it because it sounds so crazy, you know. But it really helps. Just helps knowing the other person's there. You know, uh, it's like you know, you can't figure something out. You ask someone, you get the answer before they even say anything. It's just that act of reaching out, which is really huge for me.
Well, I know I said this before, but, um, you know, when stinking thinking gets me and I become aware of it, I just go to page 84. Actually, I've got it written out. You know, there's there's steps. It, it, we, we write out what is going on, what's the feeling that I have, what is the character defect, you know, where am I being selfish, self-centered, dishonest, afraid, which is self-centeredness. Um, I have to ask, I have to pray to have it removed because, you know, here we are in month seven. So we get reminded about humility and not being able to remove it ourselves. We're incapable of that. So we ask God to remove whatever this is. We call somebody and tell them, I hate that. And then we turn our thinking to how we can be of service. So that's how I do it. Thank you. Okay, I'll go on to the next one. How do you find the line between doing the footwork and letting God direct your plans? Without um, slipping into perfection. I think that's what that says. That's hard to read. It's all, how do you fit into... Can you help me with this? How do you find the, find the line between doing the footwork and letting God direct your plans and actions and, not, and slipping into perfectionism? Okay, I don't, I don't know if I can give you a perfect answer for this question. <laughs> but... Um, there is there there is some kind of saying that says um, you have to continue to row to shore. Some boat little boat saying. Does anybody know that? Do you know the boat saying? Turn to God, pray to God, but row to shore. Is that it? Okay, great. Thanks. Okay, well, yeah, we do. That's right. We do have to do the footwork. Um, as far as, uh, for me, um, the footwork is making the right choices of food, you know, for me. Somebody else, it might be, oh, I'll tell you one, one thing. When I was early on in the program, um, I felt that I was going to die if I didn't eat this certain food. It's one of my alcoholic foods that I don't eat anymore. Um, that I would die. So I would call my sponsor and I, she'd say, get on your knees, get on my knees. That was the footwork. Get on my knees and pray to have that obsession lifted. So that worked for me. Um, and hopefully it'll work for somebody, whoever wrote this question. Sometimes that's what it takes. Really sincere praying, my sponsor used to say, pray your ass off. If that's what it takes, please hold, uh, you know, higher power, take away that obsession. Thanks. Thank you. Talk more about how you differentiate between needs and wants. <laughs>
First thing is to identify the, the want, for me anyway, is the selfish. We talked about the, heard about the self before. It's like, uh, you know, I, I want you to behave differently so it would be easier for me. You know, my wife, my daughter, and come to mind at first because I live with, even my dog. Uh, notif- notice that it's a selfish you know, for one thing, and and I think as far as the the need is is part of that is is connecting to higher power. So it's being quiet, you know, listening, being able to write out what comes through, and just um, just kind of really realize it. Because I think you know, uh, following my intuition it really helps. And I I I, I basically when I do that, uh, I know what's best for me. You know, I know what the positive action is. And uh, that just works for me. One other exercise, too, is I got this in an OA retreat once, is write out the question, like indecision or something, and like what do I, you know, what, what, how should I proceed in this area, and have higher power write the answer out. It works all the time. It's a, it's a highly developed uh, intuitive skill. And actually they say to use your opposite hand, which I can't write in my left hand, but I, I could maybe – but even doing it in the same hand, it's it's worked really well uh, for me. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I think this applies to the earlier question too. That developing the discernment to distinguish between what is your want and your need, or what is working the footsteps versus perfection. It's an art, and it is something that comes gradually and you know we make mistakes but the more we can ask what is our motivation and for me it's like if I have a want and it's driving me I'm pretty sure that that is something going on in me that's a motivation and it's almost always fear what am I afraid of? What am I trying to control? What am I trying to change? What am I trying to manipulate? So you become more aware over time of your patterns. You, you know, kind of embrace yourself with compassion. Um, but understanding that there's probably a fear under there, what could it be? And I have to say, to hear somebody else say that they do this writing, I do that every single morning. I write out, you know, I have a dialogue with God. Don't ask me how this works. But, you know, and God calls me child and says, well, what's, what's disturbing you? And I write all the crap that's going on in my head, you know. I mean, this is like 5.30 in the morning. And, and then I get answers. So... Try it if you haven't. Thank you. Okay, this is, says Tom. What's your bottom line breaking of abstinence? It's a good question, and you know, with the perfectionism thing, it's really important to distinguish between get clear on what the abstinence is, uh, along with the food plan. Uh, but basically, uh, I mean, my bottom line abstinence is uh, three or four meals a day. There's a certain procedure I have, uh, usually three, and lately, and uh, and fruit. 
I say fruit or juice in between, but basically it's usually almost always fruit. And uh, it could be it would be raw fruit or raw vegetable. And uh, that's 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 the bottom line. Like, and you know, that's my bottom line. Like, obviously, there are things I uh, that don't work for me, which I abstain from. Basically, I abstain from. Uh, anything that resembles a dessert, any uh, flour, this is just for me what works, pretty much any dairy, uh, any caffeine, etc., different things. But that's the bottom line, uh, that's my uh, the bottom line abstinence. Now, if I, I need to utilize my food plan in order to have abstinence and maintain it, but that's the bottom line abstinence. How do we prevent using this as an excuse? I guess the progress, not perfection, whoever wrote that. Okay. How do we prevent using progress, not perfection, as an excuse? I heard that abstinence from one person is giving up something. So perhaps just one thing, whether it's a not eating in between meals for some people or if it's giving up a certain food, I was just talking to somebody about Lent, you know, like when I was a kid. Every Lent, I was going to give up candy. Every single Lent. It never happened except for one time. And one time, I made it. And then at exactly 12 o'clock on Saturday, and I, I mean... I can remember this so clearly that I fried up rice and broccoli. First time I'd ever done that. I fried up rice and broccoli so that I could say that I had lunch and then I got my stash, my my candy stash. Um, So anyway, one thing, just one small thing that you might, whoever wrote that, that you might want to let go of just just one thing, okay? One thing, and really, it can be one day. One thing, one day. Thank you. All something. Is it comment? Okay. Okay, I was taught in college that striving for perfection is in a project is stealing from the next project. Strive for adequate to stay on time and under budget. 
I'm not sure what the question is. Well, if the person that wrote it doesn't want to clarify it, maybe I'll just go on and they could ask individually, okay? Not a question so much as an appreciation. Thank you, each of you, for your service today. So anyway, it's. Uh, I was taught in college that striving for perfection in a project, stealing from this next project, uh, adequate is okay. You know, it's. It's not like it's balancing. You know, so it's kind of like, you know, just do what I can in the moment for the current thing I'm working on, and. Uh, but I also adequate's not. You know, I I'm used to like. My past is about survival, you know, versus thriving. And, and since I've been in this program, you know, I decided I kind of wanted to thrive in my life. I didn't want to just survive. I still have that survival mentality with a lot of, oh, I made it through this job or this or that. But, the, but the, you know, so I think, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I do want to, uh, I want to do things well. Just some, have some balance with that, I don't know. say that some of the terminology warmed my heart. I'm a certified project manager, so um, I think there's place for excellence. It, you know, we don't have to step back, but the idea is that we are not running the show. So if what's driving us is self and, you know, our pride or, um, or more likely fear, you know, as I come back to that so often, um, I think for many of us, I'll speak for myself, we say yes too often. And then we kill ourselves. And then, of course, we get hungry. Um, I've heard the phrase, you have to be able to say no before you can say yes fully. I love that one. And so um, I don't know, you know, this whole idea that you steal from from the next, you know, not necessarily. You know, if we are, my experience, when I'm tuned in to my higher power, I have amazing capability. We have the possibility of having great impact on people in our lives and on the world, maybe. Maybe not. So there isn't a limited amount of energy, but there may be a necessity that we step back from saying yes to doing things when it's driven by our own selfish motives so that we can say yes to those things that are a little bit more in tune with what our higher power wants. Okay, we have a couple more minutes. I'll see if... Um, what if the negative thoughts feel like the truth? Briard, okay. Let's. Oh, this is a good. One. Okay. 
How do you get yourself off the couch? It's not even stuck in the food. It's stuck on the couch. <laughs> okay. We have about uh, three minutes for someone to speak on that. Or two people. Well, turn off the TV. <laughs> That's one thing. Uh, sometimes being on the couch is just because I'm watching some stupid TV show. Like Dr. Oz. No, no, it's a good one. Um, I, I guess the, the best thing is to do some meditation. Just breathe in slowly and exhale slowly. Breathe in slowly. I, I like to use a little mantra. Let God in. Let go. And I do that. And do that for like 10 times. Just slowing the breathing down because a lot of times our our immobility is because of all the head chatter that goes on that makes us think of all the things we should be doing that we're, you know, and we get overwhelmed. So if we slow ourselves down into that kind of a quiet space, then perhaps some motivation to get up will help. Thank you. I think what really helps is, is, is how I start my day because I talked about taking positive action after positive action. Beginning of the day, I need to take positive action when I wake up, you know, do my writing, my spiritual stuff, etc., to set things in motion so that I'm moving positive. You know, if I, if I start out addictively taking addictive action, that'll just fuel uh, that other addictive stuff. And, and it's also it's my perfectionism to answer that other question. So, so even though I'm not moved to do it right now, if that person, feel free to ask me after the, after the meeting, and I'll probably, something might come to me at that time. It is now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. minute or two more. It says, please select one of the closing prayers as printed in the program on page five. So, um, and we're going to close the meeting. So, um, I think I would like to go with the OA promise, which I think is I put my hand in yours. Um, so, um, I don't know if we can all stand up and join hands or um, how possible that is. So, maybe we'll just take We'll do the best we can. Okay, let's see. Good. Okay. After a moment of silence for those in and out of these rooms who still suffer, will you please join me in the OA promise? I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness, 
No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for a power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back, it works. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.